Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Sunday, August 13th, 2023, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Now Mind You podcast. This is episode 78, Combat. There will be some spoilers ahead. I'm TJ. I'm Matt. I'm Bryce. What do we have for y'all today? Uh, Matt is going to be going over two boxing events. We have, first and foremost, Anthony Joshua versus Robert Hellenius, and then we have the top-ranked boxing event of... Navarrete versus Valdez. And of course, as a crew, we're going to go over UFC Fight Night, Luque versus Dos Anjos. Without further ado, Matt, take it away. All right. So I'm um, going to start off with Anthony Joshua versus Robert Hellenius. Um, <clears throat> this was, I won't say a controversial fight, but this definitely was not the fight that it was initially scheduled to be. Um, Anthony Joshua initially was scheduled to fight uh, Dillian White and Dillian White's drug test came back with some adverse findings and uh, they were able to get Robert Hellenius, excuse me, um, they were able to get Robert Hellenius as a last minute replacement um, to step up uh, and fight Anthony Joshua. Robert Hellenius is a uh, Finnish professional boxer, uh, obviously heavyweight, really big dude, six, six and a half, just about looking eye to eye with uh with Anthony Joshua. Um, he also shares a few common opponents with him, one of which being Dillian White, whom uh, he fought back in 2017. Um, he also was coming back off of a uh, TKO victory after taking a loss in October of 2022 <laughs> uh, to Deontay Wilder in the first round. He also is a former sparring partner of Deontay Wilder. So, you know, they, they you know, they have a little bit of a history. Which also helped play up, I would imagine, uh, his being called for this fight as a fight with Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder is uh, still somewhere supposed to be down the pipeline. Um, at any rate, Joshua, former world heavyweight champion, um, and he was, you know, pretty much been looking to just get himself back in a win column, but get himself back in. Uh, also, a more positive headspace and a more positive mind as far as boxing and stuff is concerned. Um he is actually coming off of a unanimous decision victory over Jermaine Franklin um, that he had back in April of this year, uh, 2023. And, you know, pretty much is looking to just get himself back in contention for a title or at least for another big fight. And this was the first step to that. Um, he, like I said, was fighting Robert Hellenius. He recently has joined up with uh, Derek James's camp. Uh, Derek James's camp infamous is is infamous for also having the Charlo brothers and Errol Spence Jr. as well as uh, very recently Ryan Garcia. So, if I'm not mistaken, this was his first fight with Derek James, and to be honest with you, he looked pretty good. Um, definitely was a little I won't say unsure, but you know when you spend a training camp training for one guy and then you get another guy on you know in less than two weeks' notice, there's not a ton of time to. Uh, prepare specifically for that opponent and there was a little bit of a feeling out period and you know don't let it be you know let it be obviously they're heavyweights right so there's no pity pat guy at heavyweight you know especially not a guy that's six foot six over 200 pounds and has you know been in boxing since 2008 like this guy hits you it's gonna hurt like that that shit is not gonna tickle um <clears throat> And, you know, true enough, he was able to bust Joshua's nose up a little bit with some jabs throughout the fight. But I think the the real story of this fight was Anthony Joshua's right hand and him setting it up and eventually getting a little more comfortable letting it go, which is ultimately what set him up for victory. Um, it was in uh, the seventh round. Joshua was starting to have a little bit more success, landing a few more of his punches. They were trading jabs for a while. It was kind of like who's going to get the head off the line, you know, type of situation. Mm. Um, but eventually, you know, he was able to do that. And what Anthony Joshua did was a jab to the head, jab to the body. Once he had Robert Hellenius kind of leaning back on the ropes and just blasted a huge overhand right that puts Robert Hellenius out instantly, um, turning him around, in fact, you know, when he got hit by it, stopped a mid punch and, um, 
yeah, that was pretty much the the story of that fight. Seven rounds in, Anthony Joshua was able to to get a good stoppage uh, after not being able to stop Jermaine uh, Franklin, who's truth be told a very different style of a fighter. But still, you know, there's a lot to uh, not necessarily a lot that can be said, but a lot to be said is about stylistic matchups and you know how guys perform with one person versus how they perform with another one. Um, but it was good to see Anthony Joshua get back in the wins, uh, get another win. And excuse me. Hopefully, this sets up uh, another bigger fight for him down the pipeline. Um, <clears throat> after that, uh, the other major fight that we had going on was how can you pronounce the name for me one more time, TJ? Navarrete versus Valdez. Now, this this fight was nuts. Let me just let me just say that before I even go any further into uh into it this fight was insane um you want to talk about just uh two mexican warriors literally going to war like these guys oscar valdez is <clears throat> oscar valdez is the former super featherweight uh champion uh he took his first professional loss to shakur stevenson back in 2022 uh, bounced back, was able to pick up a unanimous decision victory over Adam Lopez uh, earlier this year in May. And he was looking to pick up uh, the WBO super featherweight title that had been vacated recently. And he had to go up against uh, Emmanuel Navarrete. How do you say it again? Navarrete. Navarrete. Um, this guy is... Here's the thing. I'll say this, right? Like, when you run into these... Now, I won't necessarily call him younger, but when you run into some of these guys, I mean, I guess he is younger, right? That have these very deep Mexican backgrounds prior to getting to America. Like, and I'm not saying anything offensive here. You got to be kind of iffy about those records because a lot of these records aren't always accurate just because of the transition from country to country and things like that. There are plenty of European fighters that have more fights than what is recognized by like American boxing uh, federations and things like that. But this is another dude who pretty much on paper is built from the same stuff Oscar Valdez is. Emmanuel Navarrete is 28 years old, right? And this was his 39th fight as a professional. This is 39th fight. Oscar Valdez is 32, and this was his uh <clears throat> this is his 33rd fight. But these are guys who would just work, 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 work. At any rate, um, there was a little bit of a size differential here that definitely played a factor. Uh, Oscar Valdez being one of the smaller, smaller uh, super featherweights uh, coming in at five foot five and uh, Neverett uh, being five foot seven. And to be honest with you, it looked like he was about five, nine standing in there with him. Um, just in terms of once guys are kind of getting their stance and things like that. TJ, you know what I mean by stuff yeah, like that. Um, yeah. And this fight, man, from round from round one to round 12, it was just volume, volume punching, volume punching. Um, the difference was, I think, Navarrete was busier, whereas Valdez was stronger. Valdez threw bigger shots, landed bigger shots, but he got hit way more, like, this fight is being called by a lot of people. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a lot of energy, but it's being called an instant classic. It's being called like an all-time Mexican war. And to be honest with you, it kind of was. You know, but when you see the when you see the results after the fight, when you see what both guys look like, it doesn't look like both guys went through that war. It unfortunately, it looks like Oscar Valdez was the only one that went through it, just because he kept eating a lot of right hands to the point that it virtually shut his eye and Valdez was letting off hooks to the body, hooks to the head, you know, uh, but I think the volume overall for Navarrete was just too much. I mean, listen, over the course of those 12 rounds, he threw over a thousand punches. Oscar Valdez threw just under 500. Navarrete threw 1,038 punches over the course of that fight. Volume the whole time. And uh, it just ultimately became a situation where Oscar Valdez was just simply he was outgunned. He was just outgunned. Um, 
But, man, if you guys get a chance to see this fight, you just want to see an all-action fight. You want to see guys that are just going to go to work straight for 12 rounds over the, for this WBO title. Like, you want to, like, the definition of leaving it all in the ring, that was this fight. That was this fight. I don't have a lot that I can really add to it past that. Like, there was no one thing other than, you know, that worked more than another other than, like I said, uh, Navarrete's getting that right hand off. It was just, he just was feeding that shit to Oscar, man. Kind of sucked to see, you know, I mean, just it, you hate to see a guy like just kind of keep getting jammed with the same shit, but that pretty much was the issue there. I mean, he just kept getting creamed with that, that fucking right hand. And, you know, I think ultimately that just played a big role in it. And plus, I think this guy was a little bit stronger than Oscar Valdez was uh may have been planning for. But um, that will conclude the boxing section uh, for this week, fellas. I'm going to pass it to y'all so we can jump into this MMA. All right, UFC All right. fight night, Luke versus Dos Anjos. Uh, I can open, open this up at middleweight. Uh, we had Josh Fremd versus Jamie Pickett. I heard you. And I'll I'm sorry, this. Khalil. <laughs> I heard you. I remember this. No. Um, it was, listen, it was just three rounds of Fremd just shutting down Pickett's striking ability. They knew Pickett had the hands. Prem was doing a good job of hemming him up against the fence and kind of neutralizing his ability to strike. And Pickett just yeah. had no answer for Frem's grappling. It hey, ended up being you are really decision. underselling that pinning him up on the fence. I I I, I agree with 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 Matt. Like pin him on the fence. I will say that that uh, Pickett did something really stupid. I want to say in the third. Yeah. Or second. What he got no, taken down it? again. No, he took him down. He took it's like fam. Oh, you, right, right, right. Like, yeah. Fuck yeah. did you go for the takedown? Right. That's like, like, like I understand, like maybe he was trying to like ground and pound him, but the moment the moment Well, he uh, couldn't even really Frem, get the ground and pound off because Frem was just shutting it down. Yeah, but like Fred, like when he got when when Pickett got the takedown, Frem kind of held him in a way to like bring him down with him, and then Frem just took over from there. And I'm just like, man, you you basically gave him that. Your only chance was on the feet. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, that was the opener for the main card, and it wasn't... It kind of set the tone. Like, I don't want to say that this card was... This main card was mid, because the prelims were cooking. There were two standout fights in this uh, main card, but... You called that a fight, huh? The... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it was. He got some shots off. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> but but for the most part this was mostly decisions in the main card uh but that was all my thoughts on prem versus Pickett. i didn't really have much to add and bryce you kind of took over a little bit do you have anything you wanted to say any other no nah, that was it like that's just that one that i just remember that part just standing out to me because his coaches was like yeah man just just stand and stand with him. and then like you you kind of get a little going and then you go for the takedown it's like okay right. Um, that's it. Right. Like that, he he kind of showed you you can't out grapple him, dog. Yeah, he, he's been showing you that. You probably just should leave that alone. Right. He said, "Nah, nah, I gotta prove myself." I mean, it also depends on like what he was training on in camp. Like, it's hard to deviate from whatever the game plan was mid fight. So, mm. if he was just training like grappling and takedowns, and like, like yeah, I can do it. And, He's just going to go on autopilot because, like, you should be improvising on your feet, but even your improvisation depends on, like, how much you trained beforehand, right? Or how right. many scenarios you trained beforehand. So, yeah, that's all I was going to say. Matt, did you have any additional thoughts on this one? Um, You know, the more and more, especially when we break this down, man, I'm just going to, as a striker myself, I'm just going to say grappling, man, is so fucking important. God damn, it's it's really, really important. Like it it has been the difference maker in more of these fights that we have talked about than it has not been. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um Yeah, I don't know. TJ said he had him pinned up on the fence. It was like, shit, he might as well have been going through his locker and taking his fucking lunch money too. Cause when he had him pinned up on that fence, he wasn't getting off of there, bro. Yeah. Like he just wasn't going anywhere. He couldn't. So, but that was all. Um, so the, oh, yeah, next up, 
Oh yeah. Uh middleweight fight. Uh AJ Dobson versus uh Tafon uh Chukwi. And honestly, yeah. it kind of goes this kind of like what Matt was talking about earlier about grappling. Uh this uh, that's what comes to mind when I think about this fight. Um it was a win uh on AJ Dobson's part. Uh AJ mm-hmm. pretty much outstruck. Uh just did just outdid Chukwi. And uh the MMA. Uh, could have could have did to help was uh well shit AJ got the got the takedowns too. Also, um, you know it was just on weight, but that's yeah, you know that. Um, Chukwe, I'm surprised they didn't give it to him. I feel like Chukwe got a takedown in the at the end of the first round, didn't he? Uh, mm-hmm. AJ twenty nine twenty eight, so they gave him at least one round, if I recall. Yeah, that. yeah, it, it, I I thought it we I thought they gave him the third really. Um, because AJ was was popping off them them kicks in the first round, and Chukwe did get him to the ground in the last part. But I felt like, you know, that really didn't do much for that round. Um, and then in the second, you know, it's like everything Chukwe threw, AJ just started getting his rhythm and just counter striking him. Um, mm-hmm. and by the by the third round, I think it was AJ that did get the takedown, but it, it seemed like Chukwe took over from there. Am I wrong, Chukwe? Mm-hmm. Was completely on top of AJ in that third round, so it, that one was definitely his. But um, yeah, this this was a a a, a, a like a just Chukwe. We had nothing for AJ. Um, AJ was just very patient. Uh, he got down Chukwe's rhythms and what he was trying to do, and he he uh, he had a good countermeasure for it. Uh, I don't know what Chukwe could have did, but in what Matt was talking about, maybe if Chukwe was good with the takedowns, I mean, you got on top of him and you were on top. So maybe that could have been the way you go about it, but also, you know, maybe he didn't train at this camp. So um good win on AJ's part. Good good on the stand up. Um Chukwe was Chukwe looked clean. He looked he looked good. He looked the the kicks and everything were crisp. It's just AJ had his number. Um yeah, that's that's my thoughts on that fight. Uh I'll I'll pass it to TJ. Yeah, he probably looked three pounds better. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, but so here lies my dilemma because Nchukwi is Cameroonian, uh, born in Cameroon, moved to the U.S. when he was like about first Cameroonian so. ever in the UFC. <laughs> that was disrespectful as hell to Francis Ngannou. But um, as you know, one of my countrymen, I was rooting for him. But then come to find out, he's like three pounds overweight. Uh, so that's like not professional, right? And then. Add on to the fact that he's been gone for over a year. So I was like, how do you make weight? And you've been gone for over a year, but it's what it is, right? Um, but despite the performance he gave in the first few rounds, especially with the leg kicks and you know some of the striking, none of his strikes other than leg kicks actually connected. Dobson's defense was on point and his, his accuracy was a little bit better. He was definitely the sniper uh, in this matchup. So I don't know. It was not a great showing for Nchukwi. Um, and I I see and agree with Dobson getting the unanimous decision win. That's all I had on it, in all honesty. Uh, Matt, what'd you think? No, I felt like y'all had it. Um, I wish I, I was having a trouble finding more information on uh, AJ Dobson just on my own, kind of just looking into him because his striking looked pretty clean like he had like a bit of a uh like he was a guy with a kickboxing background but he is just like a just a really really well-rounded fighter that ultimately was what i discovered he's just super well-rounded like even his amateur career is a mixture of uh submissions and tkos so uh well let's go into our next one we had a women's strawway bout, Pollyanna Viana versus uh, Yasmin Lucindo. Uh, this was at women's strawway. Yeah, women's strawway. Gonna say something here. Grappling. Grappling, grappling, grappling. It plays another factor yet again. Um, there wasn't a ton of strikes thrown uh, in the, in this fight. This fight only ends up going two rounds. Pollyanna Viana. Uh, pretty much was looking to stop the train that is uh, Yasmin Luciendo. Um, I don't know. I felt like this was just another case where 
Uh, we need, you know, more people need to not necessarily, I don't want to say more people need to worry about their grappling because who says that, you know, these people aren't focused on it. I don't want to say that. Well, here's but, the thing though. Viana is known for her grappling. Yeah, she's known for that. Yeah. I'm I, pretty sure she's the one uh, who went viral for stopping a thief who tried to like uh, steal something from her. That is with, her. Like, with the mount position or some of the other two. Like she's known for her grappling. Yeah. I mean, listen, it, it was an all Brazilian affair. Brazil on Brazil crime. Hey, this is a Brazil on Brazil crime. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna hold y'all. Um, but oof, boy, this was a. Uh, it seemed like. See, I didn't even know that going into this fight, and it definitely didn't seem like it. But I think that also was the, a strength difference that played a role in their match as well. Like as far as the jujitsu and stuff is concerned, I mean, you can speak more to that, TJ. Like you know. If you might be on a similar skill level with a guy in jujitsu, but if they're stronger than you, like, like what in what way does that do you really feel like that? Like, how does that really kind of affect the game? Right. Uh, first of all, let's just make one thing clear. Strength is the ultimate technique. Get that out the way. Um, <laughs> forget everything else you learn. Strength. That's where it's at. People be like, just stand up. Just or people be like, you know. Uh, you know, use a hip escape, use a shrimp, use this at no, bro. Just stand up, strength, bench press them off of you. Strength will never fail you. You can yeah, fail strength, but it's not the other way around. Kidding, of course. No, um, <laughs> I think, I think for the most part, jujitsu wise, they were kind of technically equal. If you if you don't look at the second round, <laughs> if you don't look at the second round, you just look at the first one. I think they were matched up pretty evenly on the strength tip even on the jiu-jitsu tip because remember it was uh lucindo who was on her back for the most part toward the tail end of the first, first round if i if i mm -hmm. recall correctly um there were some hints that okay maybe lucindo's a little bit stronger than viana thought because viana was having trouble initiating the uchimata throw on lucindo in that first round because she was trying to get it but i think uh lucindo did a good job of using the wizard with her arm to stop uh Miana from successfully getting her to the ground, right? And I was like, all right, mm -hmm. just switch over to a mat return. And Lucinda was like, wait, I kind of trained this as well. Um, but yeah. But then the second round happened and the script completely flipped. I'ma go back to you, Matt. Go ahead. The second round happens. Uh Lucindo is able to get on top. And but before she got on top, what did she do? She's able to get on top and uh <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna say that somebody was harmed in the process of <laughs> of gaining this top position that resulted in her having side control that turned into three quarter uh, mount. A three quarter mount, which turned into a that mount <laughs> which turned into the arm triangle and her shooting her hips out completely on the side and choking this girl out. TJ, please explain this transition because it was beautiful. Um, Basically, she was kind of stuck in half guard for a little bit uh, in a position where she had to kind of keep her knee inside of Viana's half guard to prevent Viana from potentially securing a closed guard and so on and so forth. So as she was stuck in that half guard, she essentially was able to shift her knee and her hip over onto that one side, were over onto the opposite side of where she was getting pinned down by the half guard, which could allow her knee to make contact and eventually allow her to free her leg to get into three quarter mount and then full mount. Now, as she was doing that, she was also doing a good job of securing uh, Viana's head and arm on the other side of her head and the other side of her arm. So really it was just a matter of time before she got that head and arm choke. Now, what made this kind of insane and beautiful at the same time was that by the time she even dropped her hips to the ground, that shit already looked very tight, um, like super tight. So by her kind of jumping her hips over and dropping it to the ground, it allows for that gap where Viana's neck is to completely close and create a very strong noose. So she drops her hips to the ground and then it's just, we play the waiting game. Either you tap or you say hi to your ancestors. It's up to you. What do you want to do, Rihanna? And oh Rihanna was like, you know what? I think I still got some fights left in me. Let me go ahead and tap right quick. That's what happened. Well, mm. that's what happened. Bryce, did you have anything you want to add? 
Uh, I just, I just want to add, um, before I started this fight, um, you know, I, I saw, uh, TJ was talking about the fights beforehand. Um, I, 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 I went in, you know, just knowing who was going to win. Um, I, I saw, I saw Pollyanna, you know, they have the segment where they have the fighters kind of shadow box with the camera in front of them. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. Pollyanna's about to fight, you know, we about to see some some jujitsu. And then I saw uh Lucendo and like when she was doing it, I felt the wind <laughs> uh from hers like touch my face. And from further inspection, I noticed she had a a butterfly tattoo tattooed in the front of her neck. Right on the throat. Right on the throat. <laughs> That's a red flag. And I just, I just knew, I just knew, I just knew how this fight, I knew how the fight was going to go, but I knew how the fight was going to go as soon as I saw I, it. Really, I, I knew how the fight was going to go, but I knew how the fight was going to go. <laughs> but somehow that made sense. Yeah. Somehow I understood what he meant by that. Pollyanna was not going to stop this train. Uh, I don't know where they found this problem, but she is, she is on her way. Where they found this problem. She is on her way, boy. Ain't no way. <laughs> Ain't no way. Yeah, uh, that's all I got. Man. Y'all touched on it beautifully. The other thing I'd like to add is before they did end up in that position where uh, Lucindo got the finish, Lucindo also rocked her on her feet with rocked her right hand. Shit out of Like, mm-hmm. put her on spaghetti legs for two seconds, but she remained composed didn't jump on it, did her thing, and showed quite a bit of maturity. Um, I think it's her first submission win in the octagon. The mm-hmm. UFC is. she's she's gotten a few. I, I want to say she's gotten a few other submission wins, but this was the first one in the UFC for her. Yeah, uh, she, yeah. she rocked yeah. The ass twice. Mm-hmm. She rocked the ass twice. I was like, yeah, yeah, we made it. Well, our uh, our next one that we got. With extreme caution, yes. With extreme caution, and I'm gonna say his name very respectfully, Mister Khalil Roundtree Jr. Respectfully, um, respectfully, Mister Khalil Roundtree Jr. Uh, had a had a bout in MMA against a, a gentleman named Christopher Dawkins. <laughs> government names, name, name, because I don't think Christopher knows himself anymore. He probably got to rename himself. Um, the, I, I'm gonna let TJ take this one. Really? Oh, <laughs> I got scared. <laughs> Hold on, wait. Uh, so, uh, huh. as uh, my comrade uh, Matthew uh, alluded to, we did have a bout at light heavyweight with uh, Mr. Professor His Highness mm-hmm. uh, Khalil Roundtree yes, Jr. Uh, versus the gentleman Christopher Dawkins. Now, what's interesting to note with uh. Uh, Mr. Dawkins is he had transitioned down a weight class. He was originally in heavyweight, and this was him making his, I believe some would dub it unfortunate, uh, debut at light heavyweight. I think the misfortune is in the fact that he had to face uh, his Royal Highness Khalil Roundtree Jr. Um, I will respectfully read from my notes, uh, and I just want to make it clear that I do not want any pieces or smoke, however you want to phrase it, with uh, Professor Roundtree. At this point, I don't know what type of darkness is in Professor Roundtree. I just know it's there. Um, mm-hmm. Mr. Dawkins has fast hands because he did let a few combos go off, a few three pieces with the with the drink. Um, Khalil showed a bunch of patience and restraint. And to be fair, he was also clipping him with that left hand very early on. This, uh, full disclosure, this did not go beyond the first round. Um, When I watched it, I was like, man, this is really just the first round. For some reason, the the fight felt longer than it was uh, to me. But I think it's because of what I've seen Professor Mm -hmm. Roundtree do in the past. I was just like, man, this fight's going for a long time, ain't it? Um, With that being said, Whew. Uh some point Dawkins is on his back foot. Uh Khalil clips him mid-combination, I want to say, 
with a straight left. Uh, and you have to understand, too, Dawkins has a height advantage. And with rehydration, I would imagine that he's also got definitely way more of a weight advantage over uh, uh, his Royal Highness Khalil Roundtree Jr. Um, the thing to note, though, is not just the fact that Khalil instantly got a knockout off of this straight left hand, but he also moved Dawkins backwards. Uh, it it was pretty insane to see. Um, Dawkins having moving down from heavyweight, by the way. Right. Yeah. And, you know, with rehi- if he's a natural heavyweight, let's say he rehydrates after making weight, he's not going to be a 205-er. Mm-mm. With that being said, I thought uh, Khalil Roundtree Jr. Esquire showed remarkable restraint after launching that left hand. Because if you look at the tape, he hits the left, sees Dawkins fade from this plane of life, takes a pause, and then he's like, oh, wait, I got to finish the job. Because he sees that the referee, who, to be fair, is completely in his right mind, and I can't say that any of us would act different, didn't step in right away. Because he is also familiar with Professor His Royal Highness Khalil Roundtree Jr.'s work at this point. Mm-hmm. Then Khalil Roundtree proceeds to throw some hammer fists, throws a hook that spins Kyle or Chris Dawkins on the ground. <laughs> what the fuck? And then... Then proceeds to throw some hamfists, and that is when uh Herb Dean, Herbisol Deansworth, uh proceeds to step in and put his and life at risk. Chris Dawkins off the ground. <laughs> yeah. In Herb Dean's defense, I can't say that I would have been eager to step in between Khalil Roundtree and whatever he's seeing at that moment in time. His Dean. I'll pass the mic over to to Matt. Hey, look, the little Roundtree Jr. is scary. This is a scary guy to see when he gets busy. Uh, when this guy does his job, he does it well. You know, I get he, he even said, like, you know, he's not looking for those first round finishes, but they, if they happen, they happen. So uh, I thought it was beautiful straight left hand. Ultimately sat him down after. I mean, he basically just walked to him and just shot it right down the middle. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he had already kind of hurt him a little bit, but. When he dropped him with that left hand and, you know, to throw that, this a scooping hook that flips this guy over on his back like a fucking turtle. Like, I don't know. Hey, you just going to have to show me something else at this point. Uh, I'm pass it to Bryce. Uh, look, I, what, what, what y'all want me to say, man? This motherfucker <laughs> knocked the fuck out of him. Um, um, I, I, honestly, if I'm, if I'm being real with you, somebody don't like Dawkins. Because he said, I'm leaving heavyweight because I'm, I'm getting knocked out too much. And then they just give him Khalil. That's fair. That's a fair. Smacking the shit out of his fucking uh, front hand. His front <laughs> hand probably up. And then he just catch one straight to the face and just send him to La La Land. And not to mention the hook. That hook to the ground, I Matt said it before. I ain't never seen a motherfucker like like get moved like he scooped it he scooped it khalil scooped it and then just put it in Dawkins's face i i was i was stunned i was so shocked good. so it was Dawkins. so it was yeah, Dawkins. you weren't Dawkins wasn't one. aware <laughs> Dawkins wasn't aware he got he got mauled he was just trying to figure out what happened and what was doing it <laughs> he's trying to figure out who he is he's trying to figure out who he is he was trying to figure out why is Gamora. <laughs> yeah, man. He's, it, it was that, 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 that. I don't know. I don't know what, what Roundtree said, but somebody need to talk to him. Somebody need to hug him. He <laughs> need to hug him. That might be too dangerous. <laughs> somebody got to do it. Somebody got to sacrifice themselves because he going to take somebody out. Bruh, he got that. It's that mustache, fam. You got that mustache. Zero games. You, you zero games. You just you just hear you just here to cause a ruckus. Ruckus Roundtree. That's what I'm gonna call him. Respectfully, of course. 
Ruckus Roundtree. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I got to say about that. Y'all want to get into the next one? Mean Hakeem and Cub. Do you think yeah. Khalil sleeps or does he just he waits? <laughs> he waits. He waits in a cave like a kuma. He comes out when he smells uh when he smells strength and then gets disappointed later after he snubs him out. So he's full fledged Akuma. He's full fledged Akuma, yes. Look, all I know is I'm pretty sure I saw the Hanma demon back when he had Dawkins up against the fence. That's all I'm gonna say. But yeah. yes, let's go over to Swanson versus the Wodu. Um, yeah, um, I, I say, you know, Cub said it himself, like in the in the post fight uh interview, how you know he's getting older now and you know it's hard to keep up, but at least he's trying to have some fun in there. Um and that's what it looked like for the most part. Um we were actually talking about this uh fight in the uh in the group chat. Um Cub won by decision, um, unanimous decision, and I think we all can agree that uh that that's 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 pretty wild. Um because Cub definitely got outstruck. I'm looking at the stats now. Uh total strikes. Cub Swanson had 107 out of 195. Uh, Hakeem Duwadu had 129 out of 224. Mm-hmm. Significant strikes. Cub had 77 out of 156. Hakeem had 95 out of 176. Uh, the one thing Cub did have was uh, one out of two uh, takedowns. Hakeem didn't try to have any takedowns, but shit, Hakeem didn't really need to take them down after all them, after all the strikes and shit. Personally. You know, another statue forgetting is uh, Hakeem brought zero kids with him. And Cub brought all three of his beautiful children with him. Here's the beautiful thing, though, children. about that. That should have been a death flag. And death it damn flag. near was. I'm not going to hold you. You're right. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> you know, I will say, I mean, like, I'm glad Cub kind of won because, um, yeah. Glasses are expensive. I just found that out. Wow. Wow. <laughs> We're going to go. Come on, TJ. Please. 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 <laughs> TJ, please. I'm not. That's not even trying to be. Like, it, it doesn't matter, Bryce. You really was out of pocket for that. We got to get him out of here. You're out of here, right? <laughs> You're cooked. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> <laughs> It's also wild because everybody on this podcast wear glasses, Bryce. Like, you and that's what's so crazy. That's what I'm saying. Like, bro, get that buddy, bro. Get that buddy. Get that buddy. It's like he's out of line, but he's right, but he's still out of line. Uh, But, yeah, my, my main thing is I give me a split decision. I can see arguments for both instances. I can see arguments for Cub having one, especially with the takedowns, because even when we it's it's weird with judging and takedowns sometimes. Sometimes it feels like takedowns were a huge factor, and sometimes it feels like they don't even consider the grappling at all. That being said, I see arguments for Cub winning, I see arguments for Dawodu winning. And if it's that close, why was it a unanimous decision win for Cub? Like Cub didn't think he won. The commentators didn't think he won. This this felt very odd and out of place, un- unless really they did factor in uh, Homie's family being right at ringside or octagon side. Uh, that being said, again, I, for all intents and purposes, this was written as Cub not winning. Personally, that's how I feel, but I'm going to pass it over to Matt. What do you think, man? Y'all ain't see his kids. <laughs> Oh my god! They not cute though. Oh no, he's got adorable. He has a kids. wonderful family. He's got adorable kids. No, no one's disputing that fact. Then he won. Uh, <laughs> the, man, the man, the man, the man, the man won at life. You went at life. I'm gonna exactly. say this: when I watched it, I gave Cub the first round. I thought he took a little more damage than he needed to. I mean, I won't even necessarily say needed to. I think you know, just Hakeem's fucking strong, right? So like. Even though Hakeem wasn't able to get anything really clean off on Cub in that first round, not too much. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. He still made him bleed. 
Like, even if you look at the numbers for that round, like, Cub outstruck him in that round, but he was hurt more. Mm-hmm. And I think the youth and strength played a role as rounds two and three went because he, they even mentioned it in that first round. Like, Cub does kind of, with his style, he slows down a little bit as the rounds go, which, you know what I mean? He's only human, you right. know? Um, I personally felt like the only round I gave Cub Swanson was round one. Um, and then I felt like it was kind of uh, felt like it was kind of a close round for the second round. And I gave the third one to Hakeem. Uh, even when I looked at the judges, two of the judges gave Cub the third round. Hmm. Yeah. Um, only one judge gave him the first round, but like he, on all three of the rounds, like none of the judge, the only round two judges agreed on clearly was that, you know what I'm saying, was the last round. It was kind of really mixed up when you look at those cards. I don't know. It's interesting. It was interesting to see overall. Um, I I personally, because I've I've been a Cub fan for a really long time, I kind of like hate this spot that he's in, like this kind of 50-50 on the wins and losses thing. But even just like he's kind of always in this sort of situation where it's like it's kind of like a, a tighter fight than it needs to be or, you know, things don't go all the way his way. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. It's kind of hard for me to describe, but like it's it's like how he made me feel back in like 2017. Like, you know, you, you fight you coming off the do who Choi fight. You go five rounds with Artem Lobov and then you got to fight fucking Brian Ortega after that. You know what I'm saying? Or the decision like the decision loss that he took against Frankie Edgar. You know what I'm saying? It's like certain shit. Like or like the, the split loss he got on Shane Burgos, so I thought he won that fight. But you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? That's the game. Live some, you know, live by the gun, die by the gun, win some, you lose some type shit. So I don't know. I I I didn't think he won, but you know, n- none of none of the three of us are the three judges that make that decision ultimately. But shit, even Cub didn't think he won. So right, yeah, yeah, man. Uh, do you, uh, anybody else got any other final thoughts? So y'all want to go into this last one? Take us into the last one, dude. Speaking of strength versus youth. Man, we have Vicente Luque versus Rafael Dos Anjos. I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna speak real frank. I don't like when guys when guys talk shit before a fight. Don't make no excuses, bro. I don't want to hear nothing about you old and shit after you didn't get fucked up. I don't want to hear that. Person, I just I don't want to hear it, and I I think in a world where you you deal with, I mean in a lot of ways it was damn near like to a degree we was watching fucking the Logan movie. It was like a young Wolverine was fighting the older one because like at least stylistically Vicente Luque does kind of fight like a younger Rafael dos Anjos, like a lot of coming forward, a lot of strikes, but does have grappling if need be. Like he's an action guy, you know. Um, but at any rate, we had Rafael Dos Anjos, five foot eight, uh, going against Vicente Luque, five eleven, who like he looked way taller than him, at least to me, uh, when they were in there. And this was literally like youth, youth beat him. Rafael Dos Anjos was was clearly in a lot of positions stronger than Vicente Luque, but like Vicente Luque, even though he's not like the youngest guy in the world. Just he had the youth on his side and was able to push Vicente Luque, 31 years old, you know, Rafael Dos Anjos, 38. And you also got to look at the mileage he got on that 38, you know, five round fights, championship fights, you know, TKOs and things like that. And, you know, Vicente Luque, something I, I noticed about him just in doing like, you know, not necessarily my research, but, you know, you just get a little background. He's a streaking like he's a streaking kind of fighter. He goes on really long runs before somebody get catches him. And, you know, uh, we're starting to see Rafael Dos Anjos on that back end. Um, I personally, I personally was kind of, uh, I felt like I was ready to see him hang it up when I saw him get stopped by Rafael Fiziev. Fiz- uh, mm-hmm. Now, I know that that's like a higher level dude and shit. And, you know, it's kind of like, but the way he got KO and in that fifth round, definitely thought that should have been over. Um you know, it was cool that he got that win over Brian Barberina back in December, but like, I didn't have a lot of faith in this fight for Rafael Dos Anjos leading up to this. And what pretty much led me into that talking shit about Rafael, uh, Rafael in that scenario was, 
you know, he was talking shit about BMF titles and stuff like that and was saying he doesn't qualify because he's actually been a world champion before. And it's oh, like, damn. you can't you can't say shit like that and then go in here and get beat up because uh, y'all call it what y'all want to call it. Vicente Luque beat him up. He ain't just run him over. We've seen worse ass whoopings, but he went in there and got beat up. There was no question of who won that one. Now, I don't give a fuck if Cub Kids was sitting there or not. Vicente Luque did not lose that fight, and it was very clear that he didn't. He, to me, I felt like Vicente Luque kind of had his number on virtually everything other than everything. like strength. Other than just generally, am I stronger than you? I thought Vicente Luque had him beat. He he outstruck him uh, in terms of significant strikes and his total strikes. He, I mean, he beat him to the takedowns. I mean, it was everything. You know, I mean, then you also got to think in a, 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 a fight that went that long, right? Like this, I felt like to me, this was like I, not necessarily a career defining or like not a career defining fight for Vicente Luque. But I felt like this was a this really kind of puts him a little bit more on the map where people got to pay a little more attention to him now um, at welterweight just because of the way that he did it. Um, You know, to see. To see a guy that used to be the world champion get beat in the grappling, get beat in the striking, get beat in the pacing. Like, this is a dude who used to weaponize pace. I mean, we have I was watching Vicente Luque turn takedowns around. He was pre- had Rafael Dos Anjos pressed up against that fence. You know what I'm saying? Was burying that, that forehead in the chin, neck area. You know, even when he was the one on the ground and he was taking the ground and pound, he seemed like he was just in control. Rafael Dos Anjos just... He's not the Rafael Dos Anjos of old. You know what I'm saying? I mean, hell, Vicente Luque almost caught him in a, a rear naked choke, too. Yeah. Like, you know, there was submission attempts. There was everything. I think he just, it was it was just like, like I said, it was like the young Wolverine, the old Wolverine. Like, he just kind of had him beat in, in every aspect. He was like just a little bit faster than him, just a little bit quicker transitioning on some of those takedowns, just a little bit quicker getting that jab off, getting that right hand off, a little bit quicker to get those leg kicks going, like, he was just always a second behind Vicente Luque, I felt. Uh, but I'll pass it to you, TJ. I just don't think uh, Dos Anjos is ready for, like, natural welterweights because it was clear that the strength differential was there. Um, I think good on Luque for getting the W after a knockout loss to, like, hands of steel. Um, but, yeah, to me, it was just... Had this been a lightweight match... I could see like the just Dos Anjos being like he was once before, but the fact that and this this kind of goes back to uh, one of the comments I made earlier on as we were reviewing the main card, but he was not able to improvise and switch it up because apparently their game plan relied on being able to take down Luke, but that wasn't working yet. Every round, he was trying the same thing over and over, only to be faced by a younger, stronger version of himself who was countering him in every turn and every aspect of the game. Bryce, what'd you think? Hunger. That's that's all I saw was 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 a was a was a hungry lion versus a lion that been fed. Um, there was there was. It was it was Matt put it best. It was it was complete and utter um defeat on, on Dos Anjos part. He tried, but he could not keep up. Um I, I literally just had the, the stats up. Um it looked like I remember that Vicente had eight out of eleven takedowns. Um just off of that is 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 insane. Um yeah, I I mean, you know. He's older. It's gonna happen. Um, it's 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 good that he kind of keeps up to this level, you know. But but you know, you just you just see like the fall off. It it, it is what it is. He ain't getting he ain't getting uh, knocked out. I'll say that. That's always that's always good when it comes to older fighters, at least for me. Uh, here goes the stats. So Vicente Luque had 138 out of 221 total strikes. Dos Anjos had 95, 94 out of 170. Um, out of significant strikes, Vicente had 72 out of 141. Dos Anjos had 
66 out of 136. And, of course, takedowns, like I said, Vicente had 8 out of 11. Rafael had 2 out of 7. Um, Yeah, it was it was just a total, total takeover on Vicente's part. Um, And, you know, this does give him um, – this does put a little spotlight on him, uh, which is interesting because the welterweight division is kind of uh, picking up um, – so what what'll happen next will be very interesting. Uh but yeah, that's my thoughts. DJ, anybody? I got nothing else, man. I got nothing else either. All right. But like that well, side, that that awkward silence was just the was just was just very like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess so. It's kind of the way to put it. Um yeah. next week though. Uh, we will not have any uh boxing. We got another week break before that because we'll well, have what we got on the UFC. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up, brother. We got UFC 290 motherfucking two next week. We got oh, Aljamain Sterling versus Sean O'Malley. We got Whaley Zhang, really like that Zhang against Ooh. Amanda Lemos. We got Neil Magny versus Ian Gary. Oh my god, we got Marlon Vera versus Cheeto. fucking Pedro Munoz. Somebody gonna get Cheeto. hurt. I didn't know Cheeto was on that card. Oh, yeah. Morning. Uh, that shit. Now, you know. we've had two fights get canceled. Well, we had one fight get canceled because Jeff Neal's replacement is Neil Magny, but we did lose uh, Cody Garbrandt versus Mario Bautista. Oh, so, because Cody Garbrandt got injured, I, I, I think. Yep, he got like injured. However, I think man. what we will be getting since it's on the prelims, I think they're going to move it up. Chris Weidman versus Brad Tavares. Man, I'm I'm not gonna uh, hold you. I thought Chris Weidman like retired. Yeah, that's fair. But he is he is still around. Uh we also got on the early prelims, we got Andrea Lee. We also got Gerald Marshard on there as well. Hey, see so, this. Gregory not allowed to frown Rodriguez versus Dennis Chiulin. I probably butchered that. Mm-hmm. Right, Rodriguez is back on the card, so his face must have healed up pretty, pretty, pretty yeah. solid. Yeah, that uh, yeah. he must have closed that mouth in between his eyes, this is in between his eyebrows. No, Bryce, the cut was crazy, bro. That was him it versus was, uh, uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I thought, yeah, bro. Crazy. Like Bryce, the cut between his eyebrows looked like a Enjoy mouth mind. opening. Like it was right on the uh, like right where the bridge of your nose meets like your brow. It was right and there. Keep this, Bryce. He won that fight. Hey, I mean, shouts out him, fam. You know, um, I know one thing. I know they're gonna be aiming for that same spot because he could probably, you could probably cut that open real easy now. Scar tissue. Scar tissue. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm gonna say this: Is it me or does Gregory Rodriguez low key look like a Brazilian Obama? That's exactly what he looks like. That is hilarious. That is 1,000% what he looks like. I'm not arguing it at all. That's guess. Brazilian Obama. So what do you look like, though? Um, Well, with that, guys, we will see you guys next week. We will only be covering on combat UFC 292. Um, You can follow me at Matt Hambrick. That's M-A-T-T-H-A-M-B-R-I-C. Wherever you'd like to get your social media, TJ. Y'all can find me on Instagram at Tusforskate. That's T-U-S-S number four underscore S-K-A-T-E. Bryce? You can find me on Instagram at Ashe underscore on. So that's A-X-E underscore O-N-C-A, bay, bay. Where can they find us? You can find us at Now Mind You Podcast, wherever you like to get your podcast and wherever you'd like to get your social media. We are in all places. Uh, if you guys didn't get a chance to check it out, if you're into that, check out the manga section. It was also this episode for this week. If not, we will see you guys next week to talk about UFC 292. Peace out. Peace. Peace.